you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Hey guys, what am I writing this week? Uh, Marcus, no, we're not we're not write, writing anything new this week. Oh wait, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe the listeners turn this off now. <laughs> and now that the unbelievers are gone. Don't don't go, listener, don't go. Alright. Wow, so this is not a normal episode of Sham Fiction, nor is it a normal episode of Ham Fiction, which we end it after its very successful, I'm, critically I'm, acclaimed, I'm stop you there. Andrew approved three episode <laughs> Please run. Please stop. Not a real show. And the listener knows it, I know it, everyone knows it. Lots of people say it was a real show. <laughs> you and Eric. We're coming up with right. <laughs> the end of season one of Sham Fiction. This is episode Woo! 52, ladies and gentlemen. Guys, we are guys question for you. How yeah. many episodes did we say we would do? 52. How many episodes did we do? 51, and, and then 52 is in progress. So 52? Oh, man, we did it. We set out. We made a promise, and we fulfilled that promise for the sake of... Of our beloved listener. You know what 52... Do you know what 52 episodes is? What is 52 episodes? That's an entire year of fan fiction-based content. Yeah. A revolution around the sun? That's that's it. That's crazy. That's a long time. It's a lot. I'm impressed. We've traveled very far and wound up in the exact same place we started. (laughs) That is what happened <laughs> over the course of Sham Fiction. I don't know if I agree with that. I think we've come a long way. Marcus we have, Manor. Eric. And we're going to talk about that. So, this is episode 52. It's not going to be a normal episode. We do have a little surprise for you, so you will get a little taste of fiction. But we want to take a look back at the first season of Sham Fiction, where, as Andrew said, we did deliver a new story every single week without fail which was one of our huge goals when we started this podcast, and we're happy that we were able to deliver that. Even though we gave you a couple looks from the vault, they were new to you. Sorry to our couple of beta listeners who they were not new to. But other than (laughs) that... Very, very small subset of people. (laughs) Promise fulfilled. (laughs) So (laughs) Nailed it. What happened in 52 episodes? How many stories did we write in 52 episodes? I'll, t- I'll tell you, in this, because we did 51 regular episodes of the show, and a few of those episodes had multiple stories, we ended up writing 54 stories for the show. And then if you count the from the Vault episodes, I guess that's 56? Yeah. Well, we did six total episodes in our Vault. We released two of those. Yes. So through our Sham Fiction production for the three of us, we wrote 60 stories, 20 stories each, and shared most of those with you. 18 and each, I think we all shared. We, we shared 18 with you, 19 from Andrew and I. Ah, oh, yeah. Guys, we only promised these people 52 of them. I think we need to take a couple of them back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with interest. <laughs> oh, that's scary. Man. What's going to be the interest? So we did a little analysis because I'm an MBA and that means I have to put numbers in the spreadsheet wherever possible. <laughs> and I we love found numbers. Out I, like we're we're spouting numbers here. Like the first five minutes of this has just been numbers. I 
am so pleased. Excellent. I've never been more pleased. <laughs> You're going to love our follow-up show, Sham Math. We just make up stuff and put numbers on it. Uh, it's going to be the best. We did over 100,000 words of content, the stories for the show in season one. Do you think if you put all those together that it would somehow fit into a novel? Like, we didn't realize how well in sync the three of us are, so somehow there's a through line to it, so if we put them in order, there'll <laughs> be some sort of narrative. You change the characters' names and you're set? Yeah. Can we just do that? I think we should. I think that's going to be the challenge to the listeners. Put all of our sham fictions into a novel, file off the serial numbers... Give it back to us so we can sell it instead of having worked with other people's property. <laughs> yes, good good plan. You guys do the work for us. That's Perfect. how we do it on Sham Fiction. Absolutely cool, foolproof. All right, so we got a lot to cover in this final episode. We are going to take our time because, like many people in entertainment who get paid way more than us, we don't know when to leave the stage. So we're just going to keep on talking... <laughs> And reflecting on this year. But to start it off, the thing that you came here for is a little bit of fiction, if we know you. Which we don't. You don't write us. You don't call. You don't send us anything in the mails. Uh, we are to going be fair, to give we you... don't solicit those things. <laughs> we, we don't. We, we, I think we say. It's been a while since I've heard write this show. Write a review. You re- <laughs> you, or it's re- write a review in iTunes, which we, we still do. welcome you to do. We, we love uh, reviews. And we, we love... Twitters and Facebooks and emails, all those things. Uh, but I like ice cream. Ice cream's pretty Ooh, good. Good thing. That's a good thing. Thanks, Eric. Things. Thank you for sharing. No yeah. else I like fiction. Okay. Ooh, fiction. 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 Like fiction. fiction. Yeah. So this is going to be some fiction. So to look back at this, we thought it would be fun to go back to the secret origins of sham fiction. We did. In episode zero, a year ago, where we laid out the concept for sham fiction as a show, and part of that was we mentioned sham fiction is really a spin-off of a writing exercise we did at our 2014 Two Jackets retreat. So it was just an idea to get us writing, and we said, 30 minutes, uninterrupted writing, go. But before the go... I just did it in the most interesting order. I started in medias res, as we say, (laughs) in the middle of the thing. Before that, we gave summaries of things that we wanted to write. And this all came out of Eric and I talking a lot about the Kingkiller Chronicle and the bawdy adventures of Quoth, the sexy magician who plays the The Patrick Rothfuss uh, novel novel series, by the way. Yes, we love Pat Rothfuss. We don't know him, but I'm going to call him Pat. I've donated to his charity. I think I've earned that right. (laughs) I've fantasized about his beard on more than one occasion. Oh, yes. That, too. I'm reading his book at this very moment. I'm in we, the so midst of while, while we're podcasting. That's good. Andrew, yeah, yeah, put yeah, that yeah. down. Well, one second. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me close it up. Let me close Bookmark it up. Bookmark that. Yep. There. All right. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, Eric and I have been talking about this a lot, and we like the series. And what we would just inevitably talk about were the, uh, let's say, sexual exploits of, quoth, Arladin's son. Which are shown in graphic <laughs> detail in the series. And we'd make jokes about Alar as hard as Ramson Steel. And, yeah, and, and if you've heard our show, uh, our listeners are probably picked up on the fact that we like our uh, body descriptions of ridiculous sexual encounters. So It does you know. tend to happen a lot. 
if yeah, I could afford sorry. a therapist, they might mention it. <sighs> but what we're going to do is take you back to that. So we had said to Andrew, what do you think this book is even about? Just write it. That's going to be your assignment. So take 30 minutes and just write it. But Eric and I didn't want to be left out. So we described, we had Andrew describe the film he had most recently seen, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, to Eric. And Eric described the anime Full Metal Alchemist to me. And we wrote for about 30 to 40 minutes, I think, just straight and came up with these proto-shams that we're going to share for you as a little example of where we started on this journey a couple years ago. Yeah, and I just want to note that these pitches that we were given at for this specific exercise were nowhere near in-depth like the ones that we give for the show. And in fact, we have written down uh, <laughs> the actual little pitches that we gave to each other, which were just like one-sentence things to go off of. So yes. it's kind of cool that we still have that information. Well, and literally, these were things that we wrote straight 30 to 40 minutes. There was zero revision. This was not something where we came out with an outline before. It was just an exercise to get fingers on the keyboard, butts in seat, typing. Which is the most important step in writing, is to just type. And so often on this show, when I've been stuck on something, I just have to force myself to start writing anything literally anything at all and it breaks that writer's block so this is a great exercise for that so eric i think we got to see your exercise here first and not only because it's <laughs> first in the document but let's just <laughs> let's just say there's a profound reason uh, for it so why sure. don't you give us your um, description and read the story yeah, so this is from way back on April 13th, 2014. Uh, the description I was, given by, uh, I was given by Andrew was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, the notes I have are George Smiley is the character. Uh, takes place 1963. This character is in his 50s. It's a spy movie. He's a former British intelligence officer. That's it. That's the only information I had. So should I, should I read it? Please. Oh, please. I'm excited uh, to hear this again. All right. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. I haven't read this uh, since 2014. Here we go. The alarm clock rattled in George's dream for a moment before he awoke. It didn't sound right. When he awoke the morning before, it was a German machine gun opening up at his battalion on the hill. The morning before that, a baby's toy being shaken at his face. This morning... It was the gurgling, stifled breaths of a dying man. He stared at the alarm for several seconds before he finally turned it off. It didn't sound right. Sitting up in bed, George Smiley picked up the clock, removed the rough brass backing that hid all the tiny gears, coils, and moving parts. He held it close to his face, straining to focus on the mechanism. Glasses. Right, he sighed, placing his thick, plastic-rimmed glasses onto his prominent nose. He took a close look at the clock. Aha, he said as he reached into complex and beautiful interior of the machine. He removed the small lever that actuated the alarm mechanism with a tiny screwdriver he always kept with the things that were most important to him. Glasses, wristwatch, Walther PPK handgun, <laughs> and his badge that identified him as a member of British intelligence. Or at least it did until last week. There you are. George whispered to himself as he located the cause of the problem, 
a tiny, almost unnoticed wire near the clock's face. He pulled on the wire with a practiced hand and removed the microphone. Amazing how small they can make these things nowadays. <laughs> Hello, chaps, said George, clearing his throat and donning the authoritative growl that had set him apart for almost for over 25 years in intelligence gathering. He spoke into the microphone. I regret to inform you that you will no longer be listening to this old man's snore. Cheerio, pip-pip, and all that. <laughs> he snapped the wire and set the clock back on the bedside table, chuckling to himself. Pip-pip. Don't know if I've ever actually said that before. George stretched and quickly dressed. The dark brown pinstripe suit was the only thing he had worn for the last several days he had been hiding in this wretched little room. He kept it immaculately clean and neat, pressing it after undressing every night. It fit perfectly, despite George's growing midsection. But then again, he had made the garment himself. No tags, no middleman, no chance of bugs on his person. It was a skill he picked up after the war. Every man needs a profession, <laughs> and George was a man with many of them. He nudged the dingy, cigarette-smoke-stained curtain and peeked out the window. The street below was an irradiated nuclear wasteland. He blinked, and his eyes adjusted to the intense, late summer sunshine. Better. <laughs> the street below was just, just as it had been the day before. Cars parked bumper to bumper on the old cobblestones, wives pulling children along by the hand as they rushed from place to place, a young man in a brimmed hat pretending not to watch George's window as he read a newspaper outside the coffee shop. Today was the day. Oh, and that's all I wrote. Oh, 30 that minutes was 30 up. minutes. Yep. 30 minutes of writing. Oh, that go. takes me back. Yeah, isn't that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, One not thing terrible. that I had forgotten that I loved that you did from with this is that you took the title of the property and you made, like, you inserted each of those things into the piece. So George had <laughs> yes. elements of being a tailor. He made his own suit. He tinkers with the alarm clock, which in the movie, it's just like code names for different agents. <laughs> but in this, you like make him, George just knows how to do these things. So it's I thought a, that was very clever. I, your standard used, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, yeah, I used what I was given. <laughs> Love it. Uh, uh. So uh, next, Marcus, do you want to read yours? Sure. So this is one that we ended up revisiting on the show. Although, if you listen to that episode, you'll see that Andrew and I had both forgotten almost everything about this when we did our dueling shamfic of Full Metal Alchemist. My prop notes here were Ed Elric, the Full Metal Alchemist, who has an arm and leg of auto mail, which is robotic something. Uh, <laughs> alchemists reformulate matter at will. Alphonse, or Al Eldrick, his entire body is auto mail, lost in an alchemy accident. Bummer. Trying to get their bodies back and fictional version of 1920s, 30s Germany, question mark? <laughs> Gosh, uh, that's I, good. I didn't that's even it. get that detail when you pitched it to us in the dueling bit. That's true. <laughs> I didn't remember it, so I foolishly asked that as my one free question. The <laughs> dueling I remembered two years ago. Three at this point. Yeah. Just, Long time ago. All right, so I'm going to read this for you now. And hopefully I'll be able to make it through all my ridiculous words that I'm seeing I put in this. Yeah. So here we go. The woman's life pulsed beneath Ed's hand. Ed could feel the blood rushing under his grip, 
fighting to keep his fingers locked on Cal's throat. She was strong, though, for a learner. Ed knew he wouldn't be able to hold on much longer. A cuffed blow from Cal's left hand to Ed's ear rang the pensive thoughts from the full metal alchemist's mind. The automail appendage that dangled at Ed's side taunted him. Using its force, Ed could turn this fight in an instant. He could crush Cal's resistance and combative blows, but only by giving away another part of himself to the machinery that kept him alive. He thought of Al, and his resolve strengthened. Ed's life was already forfeit in pursuit of his brother's resurrection. What did it matter if the end came by degrees or all at once? Reaching out with his mind into the automail, he began to visualize the inner workings of the machinery that now made up his arm. Ed could feel the way the gears complemented and challenged each other in a grotesque simulation of the natural beauty of his long-lost limb. He took control. The arm shot up with inhuman speed to stop Cal's next assault. Bone shattered as it met the alchemist's automail. <laughs> Ed's human hand loosened its grip on Cal as her will gave out to the pain. He needed her alive, and he needed to speak with her fast before she could surrender to darkness. The blood loss where the bone in Cal's arm stuck out wouldn't kill her, but it would make this conversation very short. I ask you again, Ed said, turning Cal's face so he could see directly into her eyes. Where is the Jellorcine scroll? The woman <laughs> met Ed's gaze, then through the haze of pain from her wrecked arm. The blows of their brief confrontation seemed to melt away into a moment of clarity, and she laughed. Paper, she managed after a wheezing breath. From where Ed kneeled on her, with the automail leg pressing into her chest, she could barely work her lungs. What? Ed asked. He was losing patience. Each time he took control of his mechanical arm, a lust for power came upon him. He fought the desire to end her life. To check himself, he moved himself off of Cal's muscled frame. Without thinking, he told the stones in the floor to constrain her, and they leapt to obey his alchemist's will. He then spoke to the cloth <laughs> in her shirt sleeve, mercifully binding her arm to reduce the flow of blood. Cal took no notice of this temporary kindness. Paper. Why do you think the Order would only leave a learner, not a full alchemist, with control of all the elements? You lowered your guard, thinking I couldn't overpower you, and you were right. But I didn't need to. I convinced the scroll to disband the moment I saw you approaching the tower. You're lying. Jelarsine lived 5,000 years ago, and her scroll was the only record remaining of the resurrection. It's gone now because of you. Cal closed her eyes. Ed was suddenly aware of every intricacy of his automail arm, the power inherent in the creation strengthened by the bit of will he bled into it. Her death would be quick. I'll say hi to Al for you on the other side. It shouldn't be long now. Cal spoke her last words. Ed's mechanical fist closed. The room fell silent. That's oh, a turn. That's, that's intense. <laughs> That was like a whole like little story, beginning, middle, end. That's uh, that's impressive for a half an hour's work. Thanks. I'd, I'd forgotten how that one went. <laughs> I just saw the little squiggly line under jealousy, and I was like, "Oh god, what have I done?" <laughs> how do I pronounce that? Uh, I, I like that none of this was retained in your uh, later shamfic about it. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's very, very different, different piece. Oh man, well I want to hear the piece de la resistance now. <laughs> the King oh, Killer yeah. by Andrew Neil. So you mentioned that you see some words. You saw a word with some squiggly lines. I'm seeing several. <laughs> <laughs> so I made up a lot of words for this one, I guess. Uh, so as Marcus <laughs> covered, these guys had been talking about King Killer for a while. So I think I had a bit more detail than you guys had for the other properties for this exercise. Uh, but what I have written here, uh, the only thing I have written here is, and I still don't know how to pronounce his name, Kvoth. <laughs> I, I read, I'm reading the book, but of course I'm reading it in my head, not out loud. It's Quoth. Quoth, got it. Okay. So, I have Quoth, mythic adventurer recounting his journeys as a younger, inexperienced warrior. <laughs> uh, and here we go. <clears throat> the year was 1292. <laughs> Around the time the dark sheiks of y- Yarazoth <laughs> were lighting the first fires of their great rebellion against the church of the state. I was in Zop-like on what was... <laughs> seriously, on what was then the border between Humara and Yabara before the damn sheiks mucked it all up, staying in a halfway house for wayward journeymen, day laborers. As a sword for hire, without any current prospects, I was restless. Rather than respite, the time felt more so as hibernation, a long biting of time before the next plunge. Oh, and plunge I did. <laughs> In order to escape from the directionless, complaining oafs with nothing but time on their weathered hands, I ventured daily to the local houses of healing, which, as you may know, were, in those times, refuge for those looking for the company of the opposite sex. Or whatever you were into, they didn't judge. Nor did I. I spent whole days in that healing house, Madame Modames, it was called, drinking of cheap wines, imbibing Yabara cheese, and making love to every woman within its walls. I was much less clumsy with women by that point, and at that moment felt my prowess growing daily. Madame Modames became not only a healing house, but a schoolhouse, as the women guided me around each curve of their bodies, some long, some wide, some heavy, some light. Modames had it all, and I became adept at their nuances during my weekly rotation. Out of them all, the especially endowed Windala became my personal favorite, and I coveted the time I spent midweek with her. The days I passed by her threshold to another's chambers were torture, and the sight of her with other companions made my blood boil. Uh. She was not beyond feeding the flame either, leaving her mahogany door cracked so that I may peer within and see her bestowing her (laughs) gifts to another. (laughs) This appetite for her luscious form led me to the rash decision to steal into her room late one night. A riot had broken out in the nearby square. The smiths of Zoplike were lighting fires in the stables in protest of uneven wages. And that's where it ends. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a cliffhanger. So, so yeah. no, not even a cliffhanger. Like, that's 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 the beginning of something. That's <laughs> just what... wands away, everybody. Yep, that is that is what that is. Uh, As you can... Uh, so there you go. That was what I wrote. 
That's pretty amazing. You know, I love it because it, it perfectly sounds like sex described by somebody who has never had sex before, which is pretty perfect. So, well done, young Andrew. Hey, thanks. Oh, goodness. I think? <laughs> well, oh, that's fun. That was fun. It's, it's like... It's especially fun considering, like, we've done, you know, some of these. So, you know, I wrote King Killer again, um, and I don't even really remember what I did, because that was a long time ago. You did good quote hunting. Yeah, you did. Oh, that's right! Yeah! yeah. Which was also pretty amazing. That's right. Um, I think it's safe to say that all three of us have, have improved a little bit since then. Uh, I'd, I'd wager. I'd, yeah, yeah, probably no small... P- Part to the fact that we've written, oh gosh, what like thirty some thousand words each for this show. Yeah. Since then, not bad, not bad. Yeah, I, I especially found some of those sentences in mine specifically were kind of hard to get my mouth around. Um, so I think I've gotten a little bit better on that sort of thing, at the very least. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, so why did we go back and read those? That's a rhetorical question that I will answer if I can come up with an answer. Uh, no, we, we wanted to show where we started, and hopefully if you listen to the show, you'll agree that we've come a long way from there. Uh, but these were also fun stories. I enjoyed hearing Eric and Andrew's stories again here, yeah. because... There's something to this format that we enjoy. We all love talking about the movies and books that we're reading and TV shows that we're watching. And being able to talk about that and then turn that into a writing prompt has just been a pleasure. And that's why we decided to adapt this format again. So when we're looking at doing a podcast, as you probably know, I'm currently living in Ohio, attending The Ohio State University. And Andrew and Eric are still up in Minnesota, where we had done most of our collaborations before. We were looking at a way for us to communicate regularly, work on our storytelling abilities, and be generating a product. So our regular three-person phone calls made sense to be the basis for a podcast. It doesn't take much more for us to record this and do the production, especially from my point of view, because Eric does all the work. (laughs) and uh yeah so once we started doing that we wanted to come up with a writing idea and this just came to the top of our list after we tried a few different formats we like doing sham fiction we said even if no one listens to the show we would get something out of it from requiring ourselves to write and forcing ourselves to stick to this production schedule for an entire year. That's why we made the promise to release a new episode every Sunday for the last year. Yeah, it helps with accountability. Uh, That was a huge reason that I was on board from the beginning with this, you know, having that, you know, the show as this product that we could put out, you know, this, this, this piece of, you know, creative content um, was personally just a huge motivator knowing that this was going to be going out to people and we owed them that yeah but like the fact that we're publishing um basically publishing these first drafts of what we're writing uh does another thing in that it makes us less precious about what we write 
You know, we, we become less protective of the things we write because they're not perfect. Like, we know that the things we're writing here are not perfect because we have not given them as much time as we would normally ha if we were publishing in a standard way. Um, or So it, it, we just had to learn to let go and let the world have it and not be so precious about it. And that's a big thing going from idea to even a first draft is when you feel like you have an unlimited amount of time, there's no brush to put it out there. It's easy to get precious before you even put it on the page to not complete the thing. So mm. that was huge for us was to say, we are going to put this out. So the accountability goes hand in hand with this notion of not worrying too much about each individual line because we owe something to you as our listeners. We owe it to each other as co-hosts of the show. And we owe it to ourselves to go with this challenge and keep building our skill set week after week. Yeah, and it's all and, true. I mean, speaking personally, it, it's it's affected me. Like the things that you just put, uh, hit on, Marcus, has been very true for me because I am so guilty of what you just said with these ideas that I have and that I mull over in my head, but I don't put them down. And then when I sit down to put them to paper, I just can't get them out because I feel that I'll get them wrong. You know, and it's like, at that point, what's there to get wrong? And I think I've learned that over this year, is that it's not real until you get it down on the page. Right. And with this, you learn, you will get it wrong. And that's part of the process, <laughs> is it's okay yeah. to get it wrong in that first draft, because nothing's going to be as perfect as the imaginary thing in your head when you put it on page for the first time. So unless and, you take that listeners, first step. Listeners of the show, regular listeners, will know that we've written a lot of wrong oh, yes. on this show. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we'll say this many times throughout this episode, but thank you for sticking with us. Even if this is one of your first episodes, we really appreciate every single person who has listened to an episode of Sham Fiction. It means everything to us and we've gotten amazing feedback from listeners um just hearing about the episodes that really resonate with people um hearing those positive things but also hearing the critical things we we have had listeners who have uh written in to tell us especially people who are close to us um to tell us uh what they think about our writing and to give constructive feedback which is another big reason why the show is so great because we can we can get involved in that constructive, uh, critical process. Another thing that we've received feedback on that we've really appreciated is the quality of the audio production and how the show actually gets made. In fact, it's one of the most common things we've been asked is how do you do the show? What are the logistics of it? People who aren't even interested yeah. in sham fiction as a concept will say, hey, you do podcasting? How do you do that? And we're happy to talk more of those technical details offline. If anyone's interested in this, we have done that in the past. And you can just reach out to us, contact at shamfiction.com, and we'll have a conversation with you. Yeah, I do yeah. want to touch on really quickly, Eric, how much time, because this is, I think, a key detail that people would be interested in knowing on air, is how much time each week did you spend over the last year putting the shows I th together? I think the the normal length of time is about three hours per episode that I'm spending every week. Um, so I can't math. What's three times 52? 156. 
Yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. That many hours. That many hours <laughs> in a year. I guess I can math. Oh, man. That was good. Oh, math. Yeah. Back to the math. More numbers. But then again, you also have to factor in all the writing time that we all put in. Marcus yeah. put in, like, maybe two hours total. Andrew and I had to work a lot harder. So let's give a little peek behind the curtain here and uh, talk about Wait my favorite joke on the show. Wait a second. Are you trying to tell me that it takes us longer than five minutes to write these things? <laughs> I'm sorry, Andrew. Uh, it does. <laughs> oh, no. It does. It takes us much longer. So we've always produced the show in triplets. We will do a series of three pitches, one for each of the authors in a recording session. And then we'll break and do writing on those. And then we'll meet up again to record three stories. So each recording session is half of three episodes. And that gives us time to review the materials that we'll be pitching and to write the sham fictions that we'll be reading in the next group. And we've recorded far in advance. So when we decided that we would do an episode every week, we made sure that we had a buffer of about six episodes in the bank so that any life events, holidays, what have you, would not interrupt us being able to release episodes on that weekly basis. So I used to make a lot of jokes on this show about uh, things having happened in the past because I knew an episode was going to air two months after recording it. So, like, I, I made jokes about how good Batman v Superman was, and you knew I was lying because at that point you had heard the movie. <laughs> you're hearing the podcast, you had seen the movie. Uh, and unfortunately, <laughs> Matt Damon was not Robin. Yeah, no. I mean, and I can personally say, like Eric mentioned, um, in terms of writing time, uh, that I spent way too much time on these things. Um, and I would say my average writing time, perfect was uh, would be about six hours i'd say six and seven hours is about how much time i would spend on the average fic which is quite a bit more than i was expecting going into it and i'm hoping to get better at that as i go along well i think all of us sort of went into this thinking oh it's going to be like the writing exercise where we give ourselves a half an hour of just writing like i think we thought oh we'll we'll increase that to about an hour and we'll have a good a good fic <laughs> and it has not proven to be true. I think we all try a little bit harder than we normally would just because, I mean, we, we know that they are going to be put out there. And although we're not being very precious, we're not going back and doing second drafts to any of these things. We're still putting them together a little more carefully. I think my average is probably between five and six hours per fiction, unless it's Hamilton, in which case it's like <laughs> 20 hours but or 30 or whatever I said. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I I, th I think I spent. Oh, I spent. I can uh, I admit that when we did the Sham Coms, my Fraser episode, I I went home after work every single night for a week and wrote for like four hours each night to, <laughs> <laughs> to finish my Fraser. That one took a while. Oh, but, so uh, worth it though. I, I love doing that. Marcus, what's uh, what's your average time? Yeah. Do you think you spent writing? So uh, my average time was between two and three hours. Oh, show off. Okay. For these. Okay. I spent a little bit it's longer fine. on the Shamcom, sure. But I think for me, I once I have the concept, I'm able to just go with it, especially when I'm doing a first draft. And one of the things that I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on is how you approach it 
between dividing planning, plotting, and composition. So for me, I may only spend two to three hours when I finally sit down to write it, but I've probably been thinking about it in my daydreamy moments on my commute for a few days before then. Not doing anything too serious, maybe I'd take a couple notes, but I'm trying to think about what is the angle that I want to approach the story from. So when I do sit down, I generally have a pretty good idea of what the key conflict is going to be, and that makes the composition a lot faster. Andrew, in your process, how do you split your time between planning, plotting, writing? How long are you thinking about it? How long are you taking notes on it? How long are you actually writing when you talk about those five to six hours? Yeah, so that five to six hours is writing time. That is just composition. That is, the, that is just the composition time. Um, the outlining process I do ahead of time in bits and pieces as those ideas come to me. So it's hard to put a time on that specifically because I kind of do it piecemeal for the most part. Um, yeah, it'll just be like you said, you know, just like an idea will pop into my mind and I'll write it down. Um but that five to six or that six to seven hours, I guess, in my case, is is just composition. <laughs> um, sure. And honestly, just to do the outline like I that in and of itself has been a great takeaway from this year, because beforehand I just tried to discovery write everything. And I'm terrible at that. And I have done that <laughs> a couple of times throughout the year. Um, but for the most part, just sitting down or, you know, and doing an outline, preparing an outline ahead of time um, has been incredibly helpful for me. Eric, how about you? Uh, most of my, most of like that six hours that I spend is actually, or at least a good chunk of that is the is the story portion, the, the coming up with the idea and outlining. Because I tend to be really bad at thinking of story pieces, uh, figuring out conflicts and, and just structure in my head when I'm doing other things. Like I really need to be in front of the keyboard to be able to generate those things. Like I can't generate oh, ideas while I'm driving. It just doesn't happen. Anytime I try to turn off the radio and focus on that, I invariably invariably get distracted and end up doing nothing. And, and your insurance uh, premium so, goes up. Exactly. I just and <laughs> I I've killed so many people on the road. Oh it's, no. It's not good. Um, Eric, note to Eric as in the editing room, cut this part out. <laughs> Don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> Um, so unless I'm actually in front of my computer, I can't do it. So a lot of that time, probably about half of that time, maybe a solid three, sometimes four hours is spent coming up with ideas and figuring out basic structure. Um, and I don't outline very extensively. And then the actual writing process, probably about three hours for most of the fix that I've done. That's great. Are you liking the process? How have you seen it change throughout the time that you've been working on it? Um, The process for me hasn't actually changed that much. I've just, I think I've become a little more efficient. I've become a little quicker um, and I've gotten better at generating those ideas, breaking down what is most interesting about the pitch, um, using those uh, bonus points that we give each other uh, to my advantage, kind of starting at that point to, or starting with that information to try to kick off uh, a story idea, figure out where the conflict is in that and be able to start writing a little bit quicker. Like that's been my big improvement. Um, but I still I still have to be in front of the screen. Sure. 
one of my favorite tricks that I've picked up, and Marcus, you, I think, told me about this, and it's been very helpful, um, and I've only done this on the last few uh, that I've written, is copy-pasting my outline into my composition doc, oh, yeah. and then writing point to point. So that the the next bit in my outline is like looking at me up next, so I know what I'm working towards from point to point. Mm. Um, I've really liked using that. Well, that's, that's interesting. It's been helpful. I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah, I think Crazy. that can be a useful tool. The only concern is if you get too reliant on your outline, but oftentimes it's not a big issue in a first draft because if you do feel like you're still close enough to that outline that you can continue using it then you're on a good path. And if you come to a point where you've diverged enough from your outline, you can still use that tool. You just re-outline from the new point that you're at in your composition. So if it's yeah. not going to work because one of the characters is now dead, you still just type out a couple bullet points of what to go next. And I do that with works that I haven't even outlined fully. I'll just have, here's the next three things that are going to happen. So when I sit down for my next section, I always know an idea of the direction that I want to be going in. Uh, how do you Got think it. you've improved Marcus? I mean, how's your process been from the beginning of the show to the end? Sure. So I think the biggest thing for me is just been gaining confidence that I can write. And yeah, what one of my semi profound realizations, at least it was profound in the way that I think about writing is that I don't know how to write. And I'm not saying that to disparage myself. The act of writing is something that I can only fall into while I'm doing it. So now I know that I can remember how to write when I sit down, which is a big difference. When I try to think about the action that goes into writing, I get too analytical. I try to break it down into all these parts and it seems overwhelming. But now I know that when I sit down, I will be able to create something and that these hundred things that I think about when I tell a story will work themselves out. It's like if you try to ask yourself, how do you play basketball? And you're trying to think, sitting in your car, about, okay, well, I have to be on the lookout for when my teammate has the ball, then I'm setting a block. I have to try to get myself in a good position on the court. I have to position my feet right and then get the right angle of my shot. You know, but you get out on the court and you know that you'll be able to remember how to play. It's something that has hit me that you have to just trust that when you get there, you'll be able to do the work. And there are tools to prompt you along if you don't feel that coming when you get into the place. You know, I think the fact that I have now written 20 short stories over the past year has given me the confidence that yes, I can write stories. It is possible and I'm not terrible. Yeah. Not not that I think I'm particularly good. I just know that it can be done and it will be readable at the end. Which and is that doing great. it makes you better. Yes. Just sitting down and doing it. Acting yes. like yeah. <laughs> um it, it it does help. Like there there's a uh, a lot of wisdom in those words that you just get better at something by doing it a lot, you know, yep. putting in your 10,000 hours. Just do it. Just get out and you'll be an expert if you do it a lot. And I've been amazed at how you two have evolved and gotten better. And there are 
uh, some stories that the two of you have written that have just blown me away. Like that's you've written some things that have legitimately impressed me. Like and I know this this show is a lot of us three kind of tooting our own horns uh, because it is just the three of us on this show and we're all uh, we're all talking to each other and congratulating each other for a job well done. Uh, which might seem a little repetitive, but le- legitimately, it's amazing that you've written the things that you've written. I, I have to agree there, and one of the reasons this may seem like a self-congratulatory show, I can't take credit for anything that Andrew and Eric do, but I can really enjoy their stories, and I have. And seeing you two grow throughout the course of this has been one of my greatest joys in the last year, and it gets me a little emotional thinking about it and talking about it. Because you've come such a long way, and I legitimately enjoyed the stories so much now. That was a real concern we had when we started the show, was that the stories themselves just wouldn't be any good. <laughs> that they wouldn't be yeah. entertaining. That they wouldn't be worth our time, much less anyone else's time. And I've been so pleased that I've never felt like I had to sit through a story. There were definitely stories at the beginning that weren't as strong. But that's made the journey even more fun as we've learned to write together. Yeah. Yeah, and you say that you can't take ownership over our stories, but there's something about the fact that, like, I don't know, I, I, I feel when I sit down to listen to you guys' stories, that, or, like, when I listen to the finished episode, I feel like it, even though I can't take ownership of what you guys write, like, I feel like almost like a sense, just a much, as much of a sense of accomplishment when I hear your guys' stories. Like, I feel so good. Like, my pals have written this great thing, and I just, it, 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 it there's some sort of accomplishment there. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it just makes me feel really great. <laughs> well, yeah, we're bringing each other up, and that's really satisfying. Because with the critique sessions, we're able to nurture each other and give feedback that's useful. And we do talk a lot more about feedback after the shows as well. But it's just been a process where I think all three of us have improved the quality of our writing, and that's been just a real joy. And I know when I listen to your stories, and I think, oh my gosh, you did that as a sham fiction, that's amazing, it makes me want to do better. And it encourages Mm -hmm. me that you guys, who I respect so much, are able to find enjoyment out of the things that I'm working on and give me feedback as to how I can improve that. There's kind of a sick one-upmanship thing happening here, too. Like, I know where I think about, like, amazing things that you guys have written, and that makes me work harder and try to do something crazy and go above and beyond to do something that is more entertaining. Like, I wouldn't have written Hamilton as a rap (laughs) if it weren't for that factor. Like, and that was way too much work for something as, as silly as this show. But I am so proud to have done it, and you guys pushed me there. So I blame That's you. Fantastic. Yeah, and then the next week I was like, I need to write a song. So I did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, then I let everyone down and ruined the show. By not uh, having and that's why and that's why ham fiction only lasted three episodes. Uh, you mean sham fiction for those three episodes? Because it never changed. Um, I don't know. There was a whole different intro. Shut up. <laughs> but there, uh, there was some good stuff, and you say it's like the sick one-upsmanship. Blah 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 blah. One-upsmanship. <laughs> That's good. Um, uh, I you know it's just I just find it like it's more like inspiring because it just makes you want to be better. And like I was just as excited to share 
my fiction with you guys when we sat down for those recording sessions as I was to hear what you guys had written. Like, probably more excited to hear what you guys had <laughs> written because I was really nervous to share mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a joy for me always just to, like, I could be having a crummy day and then we'd have to record, but I'd be excited to hear your stories. And I think because we've been talking about this, one of the things that I wanted to do in this wrap-up episode was do like a top three list of my favorite stories for each of you. And oh, yeah. if you could do the same. So we can go through and maybe Andrew, you and I can start by saying our top three stories of Eric's, like the ones that we enjoyed the most over the year. That yeah, like definitely. Yeah, right yeah, on. yeah. I like when this idea came up, I got really excited because it reminded me of one of my favorite podcasts, which is, to, to plug another podcast, Film Spotting, which does top fives of movies every week. Um, so if you're into films, check that one out. Um, uh, but yeah, so top three top favorite three. Eric, story, Eric stories. Ooh, me. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm going to say when we're done here, I'm going to do a film spotting thing and list some honorable mentions. People that listen to that podcast will oh. know what I mean. Um, sure. Because it was it was difficult to whittle this down to a top three, but I still feel pretty good about the ones that I chose. Hmm. Um, so my number three is Scream. Oh, um, so I one revisiting that movie this year. I love that movie, but two like that story was so well constructed that I was always on the edge of where this was going and the way you played around with the multiple people in the ghost face costume um was really clever and how um i believe it was one of our bonus points was to add like 90s technology into the piece and how that (laughs) became uh kind of this like big uh impediment uh to Mm -hmm. like saving the day was really clever and it's just i i haven't it's still in my mind. I haven't shaken that one, and it's it was a lot of fun. So yeah, Scream is my number three. Cool, it's a good choice. Uh, my number three comes from the sky and the sea. That's right, Sharknado comes yes. in at number three. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even though it probably is enough said, I liked it because that was just full on free write from your perspective as i understand yeah and correct me if i'm wrong right i think that was what you said no it was it was it was no holds barred free write stream of consciousness sort of writing and it just ended up being wacky fun i think that was one of the more entertaining stories that we've done on the show just for for pure comedy value really enjoyed that so that's mm-hmm. my number three <laughs> thank you uh the megalodonna nato or whatever it was called <laughs> Uh, fantastic. And it was a million times uh, better than the actual thing. Ah! Ooh, harsh words. Uh, my number two is 112263. Ooh, um, okay. Man, that one was fantastic. I think at the time we were, er, er, Marcus and I were a little uh, flummoxed by how good it was. <laughs> um, but just the way that you played around with um, that kind of haziness of Jake, the lead character, um, you know, seeing things from different timelines, Mm -hmm. like flashing in and out. It was such a strong perspective in that story. 
and I, I just another one where I just I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and I it was such a great mystery as well as just being you know this very you know action packed building to a head. You know the fact that you said it on the day in question added so much um, drama to it. But man, that would that one you just knocked that one out of the park. So thank yeah, you. Eleven twenty two sixty three number two. Cool. All right, my number two goes back to one of the earliest sham fix that you did, and it's the Graveyard Book. Oh, I just yeah. That was such a good, complete story, and you captured the tone so well, which is especially difficult because you were writing my favorite author. So <laughs> that was, I think, a breakthrough episode for you in terms of your storytelling ability. And really one of the ones that convinced me that this show is a good idea. Great. Thank you. And I'll just follow that up. My number one is Graveyard Book. Ah. Nice. I just, I, I, to piggyback on what Marcus said, the storytelling voice that you used in that piece was so sweet and so engaging. But I also love the way that you use the details from the assignment, uh, specifically the ghouls. Um, and their <laughs> characterization, and especially the names you used. I still remember those names. The Sears and Roebuck catalog, and of course, <laughs> Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Like, like that's hilarious. Like, you took those details and you used them so well. So, all the way back there, you you did an excellent, excellent job. Beautiful. Um, Marcus, my, number my one. My choice for your top sham fiction is a two-way tie! What? Oh, gosh, cheater. I'm cheater. Cheater. These were... These are both cheaty episodes, so it's a two-way tie between your last two sham fictions, Accounting VR and Hamilton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which oh, get points sweet. for crazy originality, uh, quality of the work, and the just evolution, because as you said earlier, these were works that were outside of the scope of sham fiction. And that makes me enjoy them from the aspect of seeing you grow as a writer, but also from the aspect of this was something more than I expected when I came to that recording session. And they're also two of my favorite things. So, sure. <laughs> uh, the original properties. Uh, your, your stories are good too, but the, uh, the original properties. Nah. So, that's why Thank those you. get the double win. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. So before we move on, I also want to add some honorable mentions. Uh, most of the my honorable mentions have already been brought up, but one that hasn't is uh, Suicide Squad. Um, Ooh, I think oh. that episode is fantastic. Talk about action-packed um, and some great Joker action for those Batman fans out there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of my favorite just things that has ever been written on this show is from the Arrow episode, and it is... Caterpillar abs. Caterpillar and that abs. Was, and that was written by Eric. <laughs> oh, those are good. That's fair. That's fair. So good. that's it. That's what I got. <laughs> cool. Very good. So let's talk about Andrew's, the best <gasps> of Andrew episodes. Me. The best of Neil. I like me. So I can uh, begin um, yeah. for uh, my number three for best of Andrew sham fiction. I love I Am Not a Serial Killer. Ooh. One of our uh, one of our spooky tober episodes, I believe. Um, just such a great perspective that we assigned you this task of writing from the the perspective of a kid with these kind of homo- like homicidal 
tendencies, um, who is like a bit of a, a sociopath, just and it's such a creepy story. He's like goes out into the woods thinking he's gonna like save uh, the girl he has a crush on and finds her having sex with her boyfriend out in the woods. It's just and and the the whole crazy. Uh, Mr. Monster element in that story was so well done. It was just unlike anything that I had seen you write, and I gotta give you a lot of props for it. Thanks, dude. It was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Spooky scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks. My number three, not as scary, but more animated. I don't know why that's a but. The point is, it's Bob's Burgers. Nah. Uh, those two weren't equivalent things that they're not scary, but animated. Uh, Bob's Burgers, yes, yeah, so that would be my number three. And I think it was a really fun piece. Handled the prompt really well. It was funny. And for me, I, I think that was really a breakthrough episode for you in terms of your overall writing quality and the storytelling that you were putting forward. I felt like everything just kind of clicked with that episode and your game stepped up to another level. And it's still one of my favorite stories you've done. Thanks, dude. Yeah, that was a really fun one. I remember that being one of the easiest one to write for some reason. That one came out pretty fast. And uh, doing those voices was was Oh, joy. so good. Such a good performance. <laughs> yeah. uh, my number two for Andrew Neal, Titan AE. <gasps> oh. You can't beat the dredge, they're pure energy! And that's what we that's the only takeaway from that show, and that's reason enough to pick it. But you also did such amazing things with the pros. Um, you had this 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 kind of switch towards the end of your fiction. And I don't want to spoil it, but like this perspective was so interesting. And the conceit was so sci-fi and just strong. It was a bold choice that you made, and it really paid off for me. Like, cool. I still think about that story. And having listened to that a few times, there's more that I pick up from it ev- on every listen. So it's a it's a nuanced, in-depth uh, story that I think you should be really proud of. Awesome, man. Thanks. That was a good one. My, my number two is different, though. It is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yay! Oh... And I selected that one because, although I criticized it at length in the episode, uh, part one especially is one of my favorite things that you've written. It was such an emotionally driven piece, and it really showed a great way of telling an emotional character-driven story within a fantasy world. And especially one that I'm so familiar with in the Harry Potter series... I was just impressed with how you're able to move me, how you're able to do clever things within that universe and make me look at characters that I knew in a new way. And so part mm. one, especially, I mean, that's that's the reason that it's here and the overall challenge of writing a two-part sham fiction, which is one of the longer things that was written for the show, puts that firmly in your top three for me. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, I... I'm glad that that hit you, because that was my goal with that, was to make something very emotional, and I'm glad that it had a lasting effect. Oh, yes. And, Marcus, do you want to go ahead and roll into your number one, and I'll follow up? Oh, okay. Switching it up. I'm going with that. My number one is Ex Machina. 
Oh, man. Nice. Because it's just one of my favorite stories on the show, period. Uh, you crushed it. The West Wing-style feel, the superhero vibe, you know, great prompt, great story, great writing, great research. Everything that I want to see out of a sham fiction episode. And it was a dueling episode, so it also had the benefit of Eric having to lose more than you lost. <laughs> uh, that's right, there are no winners. No winners on uh, dueling There are no winners fiction. in sham fiction. So yeah. that that was the least losery of your stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So good. And uh, my number one pick is different. Ooh, good. Uh, Frasier. 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 One of our our uh, our special Shamcom episodes where we had a full cast read such a good sitcom that you wrote. Like I was just blown away by Frasier because you nailed the format so well. It just it you should be writing for like actual produced sitcoms and like not only did you hit the style of the show very well which is always nice to hear when even though you haven't seen the thing you somehow managed to match it pretty well but just the sitcom format in general you killed and it was funny and there were callbacks and just everything about it was there uh easily i think my favorite of the shamcoms between all three of us such a good show and great performance by the whole cast of course very well done thanks that yep as i said earlier that one took a really long time yeah <laughs> and i love that song i still catch myself singing it sometime <laughs> it's frazier yeah <laughs> descendant uh, of seattle in style oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right that's fun awesome Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Like Eric said, it's good to know which ones make a mark. So, yeah. Awesome. So let's uh, let's move on to Marcus. Yeah, Andrew, let's do it. I can uh, start? I can start us off. So I'm able to come up with two, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my number three for Marcus is Brick. Ooh. Uh, oh yeah. Based on the film by Ryan Johnson. Uh, this is our high school noir, and. Just though that that detail, the high school noir, like somehow without seeing the film, Marcus nailed it. Um, some of the most like viscerally exciting uh, bits were in that bit, the 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 finale of that, um, which I won't spoil, but it takes place in a wood shop. Um, oh. Is <laughs> it's just one of the moments that I felt my body just completely tighten as I'm waiting to see the outcome of that one. Um, but yeah, playing with those noir elements in high school format, the way the movie does, you just nailed it. So brick number three. Thanks. Uh, my number three for Marcus is going back to pretty early in the show and that's 50 shades of gray. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That was one of my favorite episodes to pitch because it was just Andrew and I giggling about this amazing movie that we watched together and the wine we drank. But oh, also, gosh, it was uh, so good, Marcus. It just stuck with me because you did such a great uh, thing with it in that you created your own character. You really cheated in a lot of ways, and that you uh-huh. kind of you kind of ignored a lot of our prompts. But the result is that you wrote a a very good story 
set in the framework of the uh, of the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, movie that we pitched you, and um, it just has stuck with me ever since. It's one of my favorite stories. It's fun. It's dark. It's uh, it's just solid work. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My my number two piggybacks off that a lot because you did a very similar thing with this property, and that was the thing. Uh-huh. John Carpenter's horror classic, um, where you wrote from the perspective of a character that is in the film, but we do not see from that character's perspective. Um, and the another one where um, we get to see the into the mind of this character and relive this past in the midst of a very uh, dramatic, intense situation that you held the tension throughout that story so well and flashed between those things so effectively that I never felt lost, even though it does flash very frequently and the character is panicked the whole time. Another example of just prose that had just had me. I was so engaged in it the whole way through. So listen to the thing, people. It's a good one. (laughs) It's a really good one. Uh, my number two, uh, Cowboy Bebop. Oh, that one is so incredible because you did this this four movement, well, technically five movement piece, where you had um, sub chapters in your story where you jumped between perspectives, where you have a sub chapter for each character, each main character in the show, and each character brings fresh new ideas, is exciting. Um, the the action that's happening in the story is so compelling and it moves. It's such a quick moving piece um, where I think it's one of, it might be one of your longer ones, um, but it f- goes by in an instant. It's such a fun read. And um, you had Ayn's perspective at the end, which... <laughs> <laughs> you know, any pers- anything written from the perspective of a corgi is A plus in my book. They're good dogs, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good. Very good. Uh, so my number one is also Cowboy Bebop. Um, and yeah, in addition to what Eric said as um, positives, uh, the character work um, is so strong in that. And the switching of perspectives from each character because I you you write uh, each of those pieces are from each of those five characters perspective and it felt that the characterization in each of those sections is so strong that you feel it without getting lost in fact it actually helps ground the piece it helps that the character perspective is so strong in that to kind of um yeah it just makes the piece more engaging um and also just the inventiveness of that story where just I, I I hate to spoil it, but some of the things that happen in it are just bat crap crazy. <laughs> you know, they're just nuts. And and I I just think it was some of the just most inventive ideas that we've seen on the show. Just some nice. of the action in it. So kudos. Yeah. Fantastic. And um so and Cowboy Bebop was my number two, so my number one choice uh we've already mentioned the thing so we had the uh, the order reversed for andrew and i for these two um as everything that that uh 
Andrew already mentioned about the thing. Such a fantastic, inventive, compelling, and surprising story. Um, I mean, it, it, you file the serial numbers off that, it stands on its own as a short story. Easy. Very impressive stuff. So, congratulations. I will give you some extra credit Andrew's doing uh, honorable mentions. My honorable mention is The Color of Magic. <laughs> I loved that story so much. Just so your take on on the like Lord of the Rings uh, adventure set in a Terry Pratchett sort of universe. So good. Love that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I also had that one down as an honorable mention, nice. as well as Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh-huh. Uh, so the only one that, I, that hasn't been brought up is your leftover story. Um, which was such a darkly just fatalistic (laughs) piece that just makes you uh, just wallow in that character's, you know, just guilt and and sadness. And it was, talk about just an emotional piece. I think that was one of the, the most emotional pieces, or if probably the most, like, just in terms of just, like, a gut punch um that 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 movie or that uh that piece just made me feel uh so strongly for that character it was such an intense work so check all of those out people they're goodens in fact <laughs> i'll make it uh i'll make it easier for you uh i'll put together one or multiple like uh best of sham fiction episodes and they'll go up after this airs at some point oh that'd be fun yeah Thanks and people can just better. go there and check that out. All in one place. At least the things that we deem best of. Yeah. I mean, your listener version might be a lot shorter. Not necessary. Probably. Oh, goodness. So, I, I'm sad to say we're coming close to the end here. There's a little bit what? more I oh, want to no. talk about what we took away now that we've discussed these stories... And what we hope that maybe someone listening to this and listening through this journey, maybe going on their own journey, would have taken away as well. And then we'll talk just a bit about what's going on, what's the future, because it's never really the end, my friends. It's just a new beginning after a long break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let's, we, we hinted on this a little bit, but it's kind of a summary thought. Andrew, what is something that you learned? What is something that you're going to take away from this whole experience of this year of writing fiction? Yeah, well, um, I personally am going to take away um, better, you know, just writing behaviors. Um, Again, uh, I, I do think that for me... I before this year I was trying to discovery write everything and now I have learned that I need to outline. Outlining gives me fo- more focus. Um, it allows me to take away some of the heavy lifting up front with the you know the broader ideas of my stories and I found that um, by doing that the smaller ideas, the stuff that have to fill in the gaps between those outline points, come more naturally more instinctively for me in between so um outlining and just sitting down and working between those points has been it's going to be a big takeaway i'll work that way going forward each time i sit down to write 
And what about something for the listeners? So if someone's been listening for this year, what would you suggest that they might take away as a lesson from this? Yeah, I would, um, as a takeaway, uh, so I something tell that might not find, be clear no, to I, an outsider, I, right? Yeah, no, I got it. Um, find somebody that loves writing as much as you do and start a writing group. Um, because sham fiction, we, you know, as much as it is a show, it's, it's, it's the two jackets writing group. We just record it and share it with you. And I think it, it just helps to have somebody out there that is willing to listen to you, um, and to help you stay accountable to have to report to them every so often. It's so helpful. So find a buddy. It's, it's, it's a, it's a lifesaver. Jumping off of that uh, with the writing group, it's also beneficial to be listening to other people's work and to be reading other people's work and to be able to give feedback and to give constructive feedback. So totally seconded for the writing group thing. Yeah, so so how about you guys? Yeah, Eric, what what would you say that you learned aside from how to ape Andrew's point and make it sound like you're contributing? No, thanks. Thanks. Uh, that's that's number one. But number two would be um, that I've learned that I just love writing. I mean, it's always been an interest of mine, but writing, like sitting down and doing that solitary, really cerebral work is so satisfying to me. And being able to get a story down on the page is such a huge rush for me that I didn't expect. Like, I knew I wanted to improve my writing, but I really fell in love with the process. And it's difficult, and it it makes me want to pull my hair out most of the time. And uh, I I hate it. (laughs) But I also also really love it. It's, It's something I want to be doing with my life. And not that that's going to become my career, but it's going to become part of my life forever. I can't, like, I can't imagine not writing now. So that's, like, the big thing that I learned from this. That's wonderful. And it makes me think of Gandalf, so it's even better, saying he hates and loves the ring, just as he hates and loves himself. Always good to bring that up. Andrew and I, smiles now. Good job. Yep, good. Yep. (laughs) The rings! The rings! So, yeah, Eric, do you have any listener takeaway points oh, other man, than uh, the no, writing group thing? It's just basic. Just write. If you want to be a better writer, just write. And we've said it over and over again. I think we may have mentioned something like it in every single episode of the show. Or every time we thought we were being like helpful and teaching, even though <laughs> we're not teachers and are, in fact, amateurs ourselves. We still have to say that. Just write. Because, yeah, we're no good. The three of us, we're getting better. Sure, we're always getting better. But we're just writing. That's, like, the whole point of this show. So I recommend it to anybody. So how about you, Marcus? What'd you learn? So what's actually highlighted, one of my biggest takeaways in the top three stories that you all picked for me, is that there's rarely a strong correlation between the way that I feel while I'm composing and the end result. So waiting for that perfect time where I feel great about a story or I'm in a great mood to write doesn't produce a markedly better story. If there's something that you have to sit down and force yourself to write it out, sometimes you won't even remember that that was the feeling that you had when you were doing that composition. 
And sometimes you'll be shocked. So I, I did some of these stories where I said, oh, I don't really know how I felt about this one. Maybe I was just in a bad mood while I was writing it, or I felt like I had to rush it for a deadline. And then it was some of the favorite stuff that you guys pointed out. So it's important to remember that there is a disconnect between the way that you're feeling while you're writing and the way that the work is perceived. And that means that the way that you're feeling is not an excuse not to write. It's not an Mm. excuse to say this isn't going to happen or I'm not going to put in the time today. And learning that has been huge for me because it's allowed me to sit down and get the job done, which, as we've talked about, having the writing group to keep myself accountable and having these deadlines has fed into that habit. So that would be the biggest thing that I learned. And as far as a listener takeaway goes, I would say that whatever it takes to get you to write and whatever format that writing takes is wonderful. Hmm. You are not less of a writer for needing someone to call you every week and say, how did the writing go? You're not less of a writer if your favorite thing to write is fake recipes in the back of a cooking magazine. Nothing can take away your ability and your ownership of what you are writing. It's okay to acknowledge that you are a writer, that you're someone who enjoys writing. Don't let other people take that away from you because it's something that you can own yourself. Yeah, everybody's process is different. You know, like some people need to write with music playing, some people write without it. You know, it's it's when I hear people say you need to write this way or this is how you write, um, you know, and what we're telling you here, I think are pretty broad, you know, I think they're pretty universal takeaways that would be helpful to anybody, but you know, whatever process works best for you, do it. You know, if somebody tells you, or if some expert is telling you that that's not the way to do it, or a writer doesn't do this, don't listen to them. There's no credence to that. I've taken that away from, uh, I mean, uh, the writing, or no, not the writing excuses, guys, the script notes, guys, John August and Craig Mazin, they say that over and over and over again. It's like, the writing is yours. Do it the way that works best for you. Yeah. It's good. There's no such thing as a real writer. So anyone who ever says real writers don't do this or don't call yourself a writer is wrong. (laughs) And just to, like, harken back to the name of the show, this is called Sham Fiction. It's a take on fan fiction. If you are listening because you are a fan of fan fiction or you like to write fan fiction, that's fantastic. Like, that is as legitimate as any other form of writing. If it's getting you writing because you're writing somebody else's property, then do it. You know, don't publish it and make money off of it. That's that's different. That's something else. But that is a legitimate and wonderful form of writing that has been great for us so absolutely so just do your thing uh there's a story that the author brandon sanderson tells and i saw him uh explain this at one of the signings he was at that when you're writing people always seem to judge it as a success fail based on whether you're published so i'm writing a novel Ooh, is it going to be published is it something that you're selling do you have an agent are the questions that you get But no one does that for other hobbies. If I go to play a pickup game of basketball, no one's going, are you going pro? Where are the scouting agents? Why are you wasting your life with this if you're not going to go pro? 
it's a weird accepted norm around writing that you should not accept. And again, that's Sanderson's story. It's not mine. It's just become part of my understanding of this hobby and of this lifelong passion. <laughs> and your second reference to basketball in this episode. I How guess I have been on the basketball. You see, our I'm Marcus. I'm not a basketballer. He's got them hoop dreams. You're not a b-boy? I'm not a, you know, I watched an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia today where they were playing basketball, and I think that's where it came <laughs> from. That's good. I love it. That's I good. Love it. That's yeah, the real behind the scenes, people. So it's totally okay if writing is just your hobby. It doesn't have to be a career goal. Make it be your hobby. It's fun. Make it be the Saturday afternoon pickup game. Yeah. And that's so that's something that we realize. So we're giving advice right now, which is something that is very hard for us to do because we often have doubts about ourselves like all writers do. Are we allowed to give advice? And this all comes back to the fact that no one has to listen to anything, even what we're saying about writing. Right? So writing existed before anyone who's ever living today. It will exist after. No one has all the answers. No one knows what's going to work for you. And if you're listening to me right now and saying that's completely ridiculous, fine. <laughs> I take no offense. <laughs> Go on doing your thing and may the force be with you. Just remember, the only rule in writing is that you cannot beat the dredge because they are pure energy. Oh, beautiful. So Gosh, if, they can't, if they don't take, uh, they, that's the one takeaway that, that is, they have to. That's something I've tried to warn people about. You get cocky and you think you can beat the dredge. You're in for a bad time. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. That's great. Uh, so, so, the future. The future. What do you do from here? What do we do from here? These are big questions. They're good questions. They're hard questions. It kind of freaks me out. So, so uh, what we are for sure going to do is we are all going to continue writing. We're going to continue making writing part of the show. But there are some big questions that I don't think we have completely answered ourselves um, but we are going to switch up the format in the future. Sham fiction as it exists now, like you've been listening all season, will come back. I'm sure we're going to do more episodes the same way. But we want to pivot a little bit away from writing IPs, intellectual properties that we don't own, which is the whole purpose of sham fiction, right? Into how can we use that format and use the format of a podcast and be able to generate more original work because all three of us want to write more original stuff and so in the future you may see a little bit of a change to the show and that's something we've been talking about all season we view sham fiction as a writing exercise. We think it's been a great exercise for us. We hope it's been helpful to anyone who's been listening as well, if they're interested in writing, if you're interested in writing, because you're listening to this. But we want to practice what we preach and move on from this exercise to working on things where we will go more in depth, where we'll work on a little bit longer pieces, do the revision process, and share that next phase in our writing journey with you. And we hope you'll join us for it, as we've appreciated any time that you've tuned in throughout this first season. Yeah, it'll be a, a good kind of process 
uh, idea where we'll give you a peek behind the curtain and you'll be able to commiserate with us as we uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> try our best to continue this writing thing and um, create original content. And the details are, are forthcoming. We haven't figured it all out yet, but we're going to be taking this break, this hiatus, and we'll come back with something new for you and we'll kind of give you a better idea of what we're thinking. Um, but until then... I mean, guys, what do we what do we want from the people? Well, we do want to come back and do more classic shams. We'll probably do them in shorter runs. One of the things that can inspire us is if you will get in contact with us. Reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter or email us, contact at shamfiction.com, and let us know that you've been listening to the show. We like patting each other on the back, but we even love external pats more than that. If that doesn't cross a line, that was like so, kind of a rhyme. It was. It was. I wanted to drop a beat to that sentence. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a sham fiction contact song. If someone wants to write us a sham fiction contact song and send it to us, you know how to contact us because you wrote it into the song. <laughs> so <laughs> it's true. One of the things that's important to note, we've done this entire year, over 50 hours of content, commercial-free, because this was a process for us and we wanted to share it. Uh, This show, while we're not spending a lot of money day-to-day, does have costs. There's equipment costs, there's costs to our website, our hosting, and there's our time. And that's something that is difficult for us to have this running and try the new venture of writing this original fiction at the same time when it's not becoming uh, compensated and we're spending out of pocket to produce it. So that's been a difficulty for us. But if we know how many people are listening to it, that can change some of those dynamics and we can talk about alternate ways of funding down the line as well. Yeah, and there's 52 weeks of content. Maybe you listened to all of it, maybe you didn't. Um... Go back to our back catalog and listen into some one that you may have missed. And, and if it's it. one of the ones that we've brought up, uh, you know, tonight, some of our favorites, listen to those first because they're they're good ones. And yeah, share it as Marcus just said. Spread the word. Um, we would love it if all of a sudden, out of the blue, someone we didn't know um, messaged us and said, "Hey, I listened to the show. So and so sent it to me. Like that would be great. We would we would send you a, you a message back and say thanks for referring it. Like it, we appreciate." it. All of it, every listen, means something to us. And I'd like to mention that uh, if you listen to the show specifically for the fix, if that's the case, you're probably not still listening right now. But just in <laughs> case you're still here, um, we do release, or we have released, all the episodes we made as segments called Just the Fix, special episodes where we cut together just 12, or in the case of the last one, uh, what did we do, 15? 15, 15. Uh, yeah episodes worth of stories all back to back to back um great for long car rides but uh yeah check those out but yeah the biggest thing you do is reach out to us share the show review the show just let us know that there's interest and we'll figure out how to make more sham classic but in the meantime we will be working on a new program we'll announce the details as soon as we have them because we're excited to share this next step with you Beautiful. Guys, yes. I think I think we got it. <laughs> I think we got it. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, this is it. This, this is, is it. a 
I think the reason that this is going on long is because we don't want to leave. It's true. It's (laughs) also true. Wait, I have another point. Let me say this. Yes, it Uh, won't end. uh, Well, I think it just, it has to. Andrew, Marcus, this has been a hell of a good time for me. I loved this. I'm really actually very sad that we're not going to be doing this again for a while. I'm really glad that you, of all people, are happier, considering you're the one that has to put this thing together. (laughs) Oh, it's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. I'll be crying when I finally edit this, what, hour and a half long episode. Thank you, everybody. This has been so much fun. It's it's been a learning experience, been a growing experience, been a bonding experience between the three of us. And hearing from the listeners that we have heard from has been touching and flattering and humbling all at once and has made me want to do better with my fiction and with my life. And I am very sad now to be at the end of this episode, but all I can hope is that you know if you ever encounter them, that you can't beat the dredge. <laughs> They're pure energy. Oh yeah. So for thanks sham fiction, everyone. That's this Andrew has Neal. been Andrew Neal. <laughs> Thank you for sham Thank fiction. You. Uh, and I'm Eric Carlson. And I'm Marcus Mann. And Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. We'll meet again. We'll meet again. Don't. We don't have. We don't have a license. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Mm-hmm.